Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. This is your host, Jenny, and I'm here with my co-host, Anna, and I am so excited for today's episode. We are going to be talking about food preservation for preppers. We are defining preppers as those folks who are interested in really long-term food storage in large quantities in case some sort of social or economic disaster, financial upheaval. Sometimes those people are just preparing for a transition between jobs, a life transition, big changes. Sometimes they're just changing for big budgetary changes. And there's just a lot of folks that come to our content who would classify themselves as some type of prepper. And we wanted to make an episode that was just about food preservation for those folks. And there's really specific tools and techniques that we think are specific to food prepping for long-term, really long-term food storage that we wanted to put all in one episode. And I'm going to be quizzing Anna all about this. She lives in beautiful Utah, which has a pretty strong prepper presence, both presence and it seems like a lot of retailers that serve those folks. So she has a unique perspective that she's going to share. So Anna, share with us a little bit about the the prepper culture that is is there in beautiful Utah. Yeah. So I moved to Utah, uh, I want to say, ooh, go 14 years ago, I think. And it's a really interesting place to live. I was telling Jenny that like, there are specific companies here that are for prepping, they're for freeze drying, it's for natural disaster preparations. And I know that it's obviously not the same everywhere, but here in Utah, there is like a lot of people very interested in prepping. So let's dive in and talk about it. Good. Okay. So Anna, go ahead and let's dive in and tell us about the first item on our list, oxygen absorbers. What are those about and how can those help people who are interested in long-term food storage? Sure. So there is a product called oxygen absorber packets. And the reason you would use these is if you are maybe breaking down a larger bag of, say, dry beans or dried rice or dried wheat berries, um, you would put these oxygen absorber packets either in a jar after you, you know, like pull the oxygen out with your food saver, or you can put them in what are called mylar bags. 
you suck the air out and you use your food saver and suck that air out, but you put the oxygen absorbers in just in case to get any lingering oxygen in there. It kind of creates this dry environment so that bacteria and mold can't grow in there on your dry goods. And it's, uh, you know, they're pretty inexpensive and these Mylar bags with oxygen absorbers can last quite a while. I want to say it's like 10 to 20 years Mm. if it's not opened. That's such a long time. (laughs) The the stuff that we're talking about in this episode just lasts so many years, so long. Okay, let's talk about Mylar bags. So if you've never heard of Mylar bags, Mylar is spelled M-Y-L-A-R, and they are a really interesting type of material. And They are a bag that you typically would store freeze-dried food in, and they don't let any light in. Anna, tell us more about Mylar bags. Yeah, I mean, they're almost like the texture of a poly bag that you might get from Amazon or something. It's similar to that, but it has this silver coating on the outside, like Jenny said, so that light can't get in because a lot of times that light will damage whatever food product is in there. Mm-hmm. They come in all different sizes. So you can do bigger ones, or smaller ones. There are companies like I'm sure you've seen when you go camping, you can get these freeze dried meals in a bag that's super similar to a Mylar bag. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it's just it's a really interesting thing. They also, I believe I've seen Mylar bags with zipper tops. Mm. And then you put the oxygen absorber in there and over time it will like take the oxygen out or absorb the oxygen. Mm. But I would need to do more research on that. I can't remember if that's correct or not. But I know when I purchased Mylar bags for stuff that I was doing, I was doing like freeze dried meals. I would use my food saver to suck the oxygen out. And I would have a couple oxygen absorbers in there. And then it would seal the Mylar bag. Right. And then the next step is like, you have your food in the Mylar bag with the oxygen absorber. And then you put all the Mylar bags in opaque, as in not see-through, heavy-duty containers which would be like either heavy-duty plastic Rubbermaid-style containers with tight-fitting lids or the heavy containers that have the gamma-style screwing lids so that nothing can get in there. I know before we started, I said I have have a, I think it's a gamma-lid-style container for my chicken feed so that rodents can't get into that. That's the only container I own that's even remotely like that. But I've also seen those tubs, those type of Rubbermaid style tubs that are sold that are clearly more heavy duty and they're thick black plastic, food grade plastic. So no light can degrade the food therein. Yeah. And and you would do that to protect against pests. And also there's something called uh, weevil and sometimes those can get into your dry goods. So it's just a good idea to kind of keep things off the ground and protected because you don't want to spend a lot of money on your food storage and then have it be damaged and decimated by rodents or pests or anything. Right. So the next item on our list of of tools 
that are at a prepper's disposal, I think, is the be-all and end-all for food preservation, which is a freeze-dryer. We have a whole episode all about freeze-dryers that I think is an excellent episode. And if you're interested in that, you should definitely listen to it. But freeze-dryers have been around a long time, and they it's actually a, a fairly old technology that is just now new in terms of being available for home use. But freeze dryers remove the moisture from foods and they can be rehydrated with water at the time that you're ready to eat them. But they retain almost 100% of the nutritional value, which makes it a very unique form of food preservation. And when food is freeze dried, it is preserved indefinitely, truly indefinitely. So while they are a significant investment and they require electricity to operate and they are a fairly large appliance, they're about the size of a washing machine, they really can truly preserve nearly any food that you could imagine. And they are, I would say, the way to preserve if you are serious about prepping. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot of like prepping websites will talk about you know, that that it's a must have for a prepper. And I just kind of laugh a little bit because there's a lot of food preservation techniques that you can use if you don't have that in the budget. Because I mean, it is like 1800 to about $3,500, depending on the size of the model, the upgrades, whatever. So, you know, not everybody can afford that, but a lot of people definitely tout it as like a must have for preppers and survivalists. Right. The next item on our list are the two methods of canning. So you can water bath can to preserve, and that's a a tool that's at the disposal of someone who's interested in prepping. You would use a water bath canning method for high acid fruits, jams, applesauce, and pickles. So vegetables that are in an acidified brine. And the limitations of canning is that it does, you know, jars do take up space. But if it's done properly, they can last a really, really long time. But you'll need to store those jars out of direct light to prevent uh, the quality of the food from degrading more quickly over time. And then, of course, for low acid foods, you would use a pressure Mm -hmm. canner. And then one other pitfall people fall into when preserving foods, and I think this is sort of common with folks who are interested in prepping, is they want to reuse store-bought lids as a means of like being frugal or something. But I would say, especially if you're interested in long-term prepping and food preservation, use new canning lids because they have the best chance of being sealed the longest amount of time. So use new lids if you are canning, both water bath or pressure canning, for canning of any kind, but especially if you're hoping for it to be sealed a long time, definitely use a new lid. Yeah. And there's also reusable lids that are coming onto the market like Tatler or I think it's Harvest Guard is another one. I have yet to try them, but they they are definitely like if you are thinking about, you know, using reusing your lids, then that is also an option. That's a great point. Anna What about using dehydration as a tool for preppers? Yeah, so dehydrated food is great as well. Like I said, like some people don't have the monetary investment for a freeze dryer. So a dehydrator that, you know, that's 60 or $70 is just as awesome. And you can also put those in 
bars or mylar bags with oxygen absorbers, and those will last years and years and years. Oh, wow. So those first two, first few items that we've listed can really take food and help them last a really, really long time instead of just sitting on your pantry shelf, right? Yeah. I mean, even dehydrated food that I've had, and it's been almost a full year, I don't have oxygen absorbers in there and they're fine. Like I would eat those for years and years without an oxygen absorber. I don't want people to think that they have to have one. But like if you're thinking about it for super long-term storage, anything over three years, five years, maybe think about an oxygen absorber. Right. Especially if you live in a humid environment. Which Utah is not. Utah is very dry, right? Very dry and hot. Mm -hmm. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. Anna, tell us about vacuum sealing. I haven't used a vacuum sealer very much, but I know you have experience with vacuum sealing. Tell us about that for prepping. Yeah, I mean, it's um, not only is a vacuum sealer good for like, you know, frozen food to pull all the oxygen out. It's the same with, you know, any of your dry goods that could be if you purchase, this is something that my parents did growing up, right? They bought like 50 pounds of wheat berries, and they would break it down into smaller portions, right? It could be a number 10 metal can, it could be mylar bags, it could be a vacuum sealed plastic bag that you would want to keep out of sunlight and in, you know, your storage room. But yeah, I mean, I, I have a food saver vacuum sealer and I like it pretty well. I, unfortunately I bought it secondhand and I feel like it's maybe not that good. (laughs) So I just need to invest in one that I did some camping meals in them last year. And I noticed that it started to absorb that oxygen again. And I was like, Oh, come on. So I think I need a new one. Right. So I think that's a great point. Like if you're serious about getting started with prepping, having tools that work well, I think that is really key. I mean, I, I would not start this journey with with a, a thrifted, a sometimes working vacuum sealer for sure. Anna, tell us about number 10 cans. What are those about? Yeah. So number 10 cans is just a size of can that you can use for bulk food canning And like I said, it's more for like breaking down larger bags of food. Like I said, wheat berries or sometimes flour or rice or beans. And these can last up to 25 years a lot of times. And our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, will let you borrow a number 10 can sealer. And you can purchase the cans from the church. They're really invested in people, you know, being self-reliant and also having some type of food storage available in case of natural disasters or financial insecurities, things like that. And so you can you can actually rent the sealer 
for free and purchase the cans and supplies through them. That's so interesting and really, really cool. Honestly, that's amazing. We were talking about this before and you're like, it's not just, it's not just your church. It's like a lot of other people, a lot of other groups. So who else do you feel like is prepping like this? Mm. Well, this is a big, this is a big conversation. I think, well, not only are some religious folks prepping, you know, in, in various different ways, not just with food preservation, but prepping in a, in a variety of ways. There's also political groups or or groups of people who are feeling politically driven to prepare, right? And then I think there's also yeah, just culturally some groups that are feeling feeling pr- driven to prepare. And then I think too just it's we're at an interesting time, right? We had COVID and then now there's this sense of economic yeah. even people that wouldn't necessarily be quote unquote preppers, I think economically uh, you know, at the time of this recording in the news, we're talking about the debt ceiling and are we going to have a recession? I think there's just a little bit more uncertainty, even for people who would normally never categorize themselves as preppers or people who are preparing for anything. Right. I think that there's more and more people thinking about having a way to prepare food for longer term storage than they ever were before. And this is not in any way to make people feel like, oh my God, I need to be, you know, prepping if they aren't already interested in that at all. We just wanted to to mention that there are a lot of groups out there. There's a lot of people out there prepping for a variety of reasons. It's not just religious folks. There are a lot of different religious folks prepping, but there's also a lot of non-religious folks too. And there is just a, a general shift, I think, different than in the 90s. It's just things are a little different after COVID. There's a lot of people interested in learning about food preservation, which is, yeah. Yeah. COVID just really changed everybody's mind about like what they had, what they what they were able to produce, what they were able to eat. Like it was, it was a really interesting time in our history. And I don't think a lot of people think about it like that, but it will, it will definitely change the way that people look at their food systems and like the cycle of food. And hopefully people will continue to grow gardens and preserve food. I, I really hope that that's going to stay forefront in people's mind. Right. I mean, for you and I to have gone through COVID, like people, you and I, who are people who have preserved food on our pantry shelves and we know how to both grow food and preserve food and COVID was still unsettling in terms of food security that must have been so hard for people who don't have those skills oh yeah that that must have been so terrible absolutely and I live in a place that I felt like I probably felt better than 90% of the people in America just given my rural location like things were not that scary it wasn't that terrible it wasn't I didn't have anyone close to me pass away thank goodness it, I felt better than so many people going through COVID. Right. In some part due to just I felt like I had some skills, you know, that 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 would help me in times if things got worse and and it's we're going down a little bit of a rabbit yeah. trail, but I guess our podcast never goes down rabbit trail, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> I hope that this episode helps people prepare for whatever 
yeah, whatever comes, whatever they're interested in preparing for. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think I think it's not misguided, but I think a lot of people maybe will spend a lot of money to get, you know, a year's supply of food. Or maybe I've also seen, oh, like number 10 cans filled with seeds. And I think having the skills and utilizing them year after year can alleviate a lot of that anxiety. Mm. Like you said, like it was still unsettling for us during COVID, but there was also a lot of, I would say like a lot of empowerment as well to know that like I could grow food. I totally deserve food. Um, And I think that's one thing that I would encourage people to do is like really hone those skills, really get the education that you need so that you can alleviate some of that anxiety and stress. Oh, totally. That is the best way to have buttoned up this episode. I mean, learning how to do some of these things. Yeah. During COVID, when there was not a whole lot on grocery store shelves, I was not lying awake worried about how I would have enough groceries for my kids. Uh, That was not my worry at all because I knew, you know, I could, I can grow a few things. If I, I just have enough skills. I just, that was not my worry. I have plenty of other mom anxiety. Don't worry, (laughs) but but it wasn't about food. (laughs) It wasn't about food reservation. (laughs) I I feel like, (laughs) I feel like learning some of these things or getting acquainted with I mean, just like dehydrating, just some, a few of these skills just helps people feel way, way better about any of the things that might be in the news, driving prices up, the price of eggs, all all the things that are happening. I think it can make people feel a lot better. So you couldn't have hit the nail on the head any better, Anna. No, thank you. (laughs) Okay. I think that buttons up our episode about food preservation for the really, really long term. And I love that Anna mentioned all those little tools and tricks about oxygen absorbers, mylar bags. And then, I mean, freeze dryers are pretty rad. And if you want to learn any more about these particular techniques, including using freeze dryers, water bath canning, pressure canning, dehydrating, we have episodes about all of those techniques and we will link them in our show notes. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.